Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Cumming, Georgia, it's time for Forsyth Business Radio. And hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Forsyth Business Radio here on Business Radio X. I am your host, Amanda Pierch, and we are broadcasting live out of our studio here in beautiful Cumming, Georgia. I am joined by my partner in crime and also in business, Mr. Steve Cooper. How are you today, sir? Thank you, Amanda. We're going to have a great show today. We have got some awesome candidates, or excuse me, candidates. I let the cat out of the bag. We have some fantastic guests in studio, shall I say, today. And they are actually also candidates for some local seats that you might be familiar with. So it is uh, with great pleasure that I introduce our esteemed guests, Mr. Byron Gatewood, who is running for a U.S. Congress um, seat here in Georgia for what, what was it? Something six district. The sixth district. Sixth district. Thank you. At least I said Byron. You did say I Byron. I did. And also we have in studio Rupal. Come on, Rupal. Help me with your last name. Vashniff. Vashniff. I wrote it go. down too. Also, he's going for a state court judge seat here in Forsyth. And I'd like to welcome you gentlemen to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, so we're just going to get to a little bit, get to know you guys a little bit before we kind of dive into the round robin discussion. I'll give you both an opportunity to share a little bit about your history and about the seat that you're running for. And Byron, being that you're a returning guest to the studio, I'll start with you. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll start with the seat just to kind of define that and then talk about me because because ultimately the seat is more important than the candidate. So. Let's introduce that first. Uh, Georgia 6 is uh, a, a really important seat in the U.S. House. It's, a, it's the seat that Newt Gingrich held, uh, Isaacson held it, Tom Price held it, and for the last few years, Lucy McBath has been in the seat. Now, redistricting post-census has sort of made her holding the seat untenable. She's not running for re-election in 6. She's jumping over into 7. So there's a gaggle of Republicans uh, vying for the, the position. I am one of them. And, uh, and so I appreciate any exposure I can get. Now, as for me, uh, Byron Gatewood, again, is my name. I'm a East Cobber, so, so thank you for welcoming me, me to coming, Georgia. Uh-huh. I appreciate that a lot. But, uh, but yeah, happy to get around the district, which now does include all of Forsyth County. Mm-hmm. Ooh, did you hear that, Steve? What did he say? Forsyth. That's how I say it. Listen, I got my, my hand smacked when I came to this area, and I said Forsyth. They very promptly quit. They quit. They corrected me and said it's Forsyth. Yeah, just leave like out fur, the, leave out like the fur. R, Forsyth. <laughs> Forsyth. You're in good company, I'm, uh, Byron. I'm, I'm probably going to keep saying Let's it the say same Forsyth. Way. <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah. to pronounce all the letters. Four. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so as for me, um, I'm I'm nobody from nowhere. You know, I, I grew up in a little bitty town uh, with oldest of five kids. Uh, went to LSU for undergrad. So all of the dogs that are listening right now. It's SEC West. It's not a rivalry. Don't even worry about it. We got to say it. Go dogs. Oh, go dogs indeed. Yeah. But I still say the go like an LSU person, the Mm G-E-A-U-X, you know, so it's go dogs. So it's a little different. But anyway, uh, I'm a career army officer. So most of my life I've been bouncing around anyway. Uh, Lived in Kansas, lived in Georgia for a while before at Benning, uh, Kentucky, Arizona. I spent most of my career in Eastern Europe or in Europe, better yet. But uh, Eastern Europe's at the fore right now. Did a lot of time in, in Israel. Moved to East Cobb for uh, opportunity after business school. You know, took a job at SunTrust and, uh, and doing big bank acquisitions and, and loans for public companies. Moved on, own a couple of small businesses now, and am looking to, to make a difference in D.C. Which uh, one of your small businesses is a physical fitness facility, yeah, correct? Yeah, I own a, a gym. gym. And then I think you mentioned that your wife owns a travel agency? She does, yeah. I have yeah. a good memory. Which, and those are two, obviously, we'll get into it, I'm sure, maybe, mm-hmm. but uh, two businesses you really want to be in in a global pandemic. You know, those were, th- <laughs> those were great. Especially the gym. Yeah. <laughs> when well, they the all travel, got closed down. The travel agency when nobody could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Now, I want to spend just a, a brief, uh, not a brief, first of all, I want to thank you for your service. Oh, thanks. Um, and also, I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit about uh, your devotion to our country and um, those years of service, because that's one of the things that uh, profoundly drew me to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so share a little bit about the time when you decided to enlist, which was a pivotal time here in our country, and that was during the time of 9-11. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, like you know everybody else, I think probably September 10th, 2001, saw the world one way. 
and uh, I was a college student. I was living life like a college student, uh, like any millennial probably at that point. And then the world changed fundamentally on a Tuesday morning, you know. And so that was sort of the the crystallizing moment for me, where I became a grown up. You know, and for the first time in my life, I was scared and angry and really felt patriotic. I don't think I'd ever, I mean, I love America and that's great. You say the pledge growing up, but I felt patriotism for the first time. And that's what led me to enlist in the Army National Guard at the time. I was, I was a college student, so I wasn't ready to sign it all over and be a full-time soldier. But uh, the lines went away really quickly there between what was a part-time, you know, National Guard soldier and active duty because we were at a crisis. And so rather than going right back to school after training, I went to Afghanistan after training and, uh, and had, you know, I had the opportunity to be part of something really, really great, you know, and we did something, we made the world safe for, for 20 years. And so that was, that became a calling for me, probably my first calling in life. I've had a couple since then, I think, where I was really pulled to go do a thing, but I ended up getting back into school after that deployment, graduated, commissioned, and, uh, and then spent my career, you know, as an intelligence officer. And you traveled uh, all over the globe. All over. Turkey, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. where else? Everywhere. You know, at the, at the height of the Syrian uh, civil war, if you remember just a couple of years ago when that was, when that was hot, I was uh, kind of bouncing back and forth between a few hot spots. Uh, the Turkish border with Syria was critical. Um, I got to work on actual border security there, so I know a little bit about what that takes. I think that's something, just as a point of reference, I'll take to Congress, is fixing the border through having done it before, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, worked with Israel, uh, our friends in the IDF a lot Their, you know, their picture is always perilous. You know, Israel is, is fraught with, with danger all the time because there's all their neighbors hate them. And so, uh, so that's uh, an important relationship for us in the region. And I got to, to work at the strategic level there. Uh, I've worked Eastern Europe hard. You know, I was in Poland when Russia invaded and took Crimea in 2014, and so I was close to the events going on there. Uh, I've, I've done planning around possible Russian incursions into Ukraine, uh, which How are no longer yeah, which are no longer possible. Yeah, those are happening uh, and have happened for the past few weeks. So you know, I've I've felt like uh, from a foreign policy and a and, and the the things that keep us safe that sort of perspective, I bring a little bit to the table, a little bit of experience. I'd say you do. I want to come back and speak uh, more about some of those points and how they connect to your candidacy and how you serve our community. But first, I'd like to give uh, Steve an opportunity to kind of lay the groundwork for our listeners about Rupal. Yes, Rupal. Glad to have you here today. Glad to be here. I was reading your bio earlier, and I said, go dog. So I don't want to offend the other half of our listeners with uh, Georgia Tech. That's right. You were, uh, got a degree in mechanical engineering from Georgia Tech and a law degree from Georgia State University. Tell yes, us a little sir. bit about yourself and your family and your background and, and what brought you here to this stage. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me again, guys, and a uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, Byron, uh, thank you for your service. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Um, 9-11, before I get into my background, it, it was a defining moment for a lot of us. Uh, I was a prosecutor, a line-level trial attorney, and we were all looking for a way to serve uh, in our capacity. Uh, I just had a one-year-old, so I was starting my family. And uh, for me, it was difficult to leave a job um, because we needed, uh, obviously, to pay our bills and everything. But I felt my calling through the prosecution that I was doing, and we felt just connected with the community and connected with what we were doing in the larger sense. So, uh, But you stepping up, that's amazing. So thank you so much. Um, I always, I, like most folks, will remember where we were when we saw all that unfold, right? I was in the courthouse in the morning ready for a, a calendar to put some bad guys away, and all of a sudden, America changed, the world changed for us. Um, but anyway, so thank you. Um, I've been in Georgia since 82, Steve. Um, grew up here and grew up uh, going to Riverdale, Riverdale High School, and then ultimately went to Georgia Tech for my undergrad because uh, you typically have the um, what they call the tiger parents, You've got to either be a doctor or engineer to be successful in their minds. And so my dad being an engineer, being, being young and not knowing what I want to do, I said engineering seems like the right path for me. It's a, it's a degree that I believe that uh, sets you up for a, a career and a future. Uh, so went to tech, uh, did apply to Georgia as well, uh, but got into tech first. So had to go down that road. Uh, we aren't much of a football 
threat anymore. 1990, when I was there, I think we got a championship. But after that, we have we just been rebuilding, rebuilding, and rebuilding years. So no all threat to any of the Georgia fans there. All the other college teams love playing Georgia Tech, Rupo. That's right <laughs> for practices, right? Um, but no, so I went from uh, mechanical engineering to law school. Uh, had a a good stint with the Olympics in '96. Uh, in Atlanta, so I volunteered uh, for a small country called Bhutan, where I was the designated driver or the chauffeur for the team, and we had all of two athletes in the entire Summer Olympic Games, two archers, so very intimate uh, setting, so I did that for a while, and then I went to law school at Georgia State. Um, I have the gift of gab, and so I couldn't think of a better career where I can keep uh, people locked in in the courtroom where I have to talk to them and they have to listen to me. So I chose uh, litigation as my specialty. I forgo the idea of a patent lawyer because for a patent lawyer, you have to have an engineering degree and you can sit for the patent bar. Uh, and of course, you can make a lot of money. I chose litigation and not the path of get rich quick. Um, and so went through litigation training in law school, became a litigator, started my career as a prosecutor in state court of all places, um, prosecuting misdemeanor criminal cases. And I can get more into that about what state court does and whatnot. Um, so t- tell us here, you're running for judgeship in the state court seat here in Forsyth County. Correct. Tell us what kind of cases you would hear in Forsyth County for that judgeship. Absolutely. Great question. So a lot of folks don't know what the difference is in our different court systems that we have set up in Georgia. So we have uh, basically two trial courts. We have the Superior Court. Uh, and the state court, we call them trial courts because you can actually impanel a jury of either a six-member jury or a 12-member jury in state court. Um, state court's jurisdiction is limited to criminal misdemeanor cases, and those are the cases that you would be, um, by statute, punished for 12 months or less in jail or fined $1,000 or less um, per charge. And so your jurisdiction is capped at those misdemeanor criminal cases. Um, Typical criminal cases are your traffic tickets in Georgia, everything from a stop sign violation, speeding ticket, to DUIs in terms of traffic um, violations are misdemeanor offenses in Georgia. And so anybody can demand, and I've actually done these things. I've done a, a speeding jury trial. I've done a stop sign violation jury trial. And, of course, you know, talk about colossal waste of resources, but you know, you, you've got to do what you got to do, um, and people have a right, so you've got to honor those rights. And then you can have uh, DUIs, uh, typically are the more serious traffic offenses, but you have a host of other criminal offenses like criminal trespass, shoplifting, possession less than one ounce of marijuana, and a host of other uh, criminal cases uh, that would come in in state court. But equally important is uh, you have a jurisdiction for civil cases, of certain civil cases. And so cases that are not being selected to go to a particular court, like the Superior Court, could end up in state court. And so it's equally important to know civil law uh, because the whole purpose, in my opinion, for state court being created and why we have one in Forsyth County and other uh, metro Atlanta counties is because it's based on population and case uh, count. And when you have that, whatever that critical mass is, the local jurisdictions allowed to get a uh, county-paid state court as opposed to a state-paid superior court. And so that's why we have state court in Forsyth County. And, of course, our jurisdiction is the entire county because our judicial circuit is the entire Forsyth County. And so that's state court. So, Rupal, all that being said, tell the listeners out there, what, what's motivating you for running for state court? judge in Forsyth County? No, excellent question again. Uh, Because of uh, paying forward, giving back. Uh, I've been a lawyer for 23 years. I've been in county raising my family here for 14 years. And when we were looking for a place to raise my family, uh, we found Forsyth County for three primary reasons. One was schools. I knew you were going to say that. Right? You got to be that uh, uh, Asian or tiger parent, right, to go for school. So we said school's important. And schools are important, uh, absolutely are important. So schools were number one, but safety and security was number two. We wanted to make sure we could raise our families safely uh, in an area where we felt kind of like what was lost in where we were, which is a small-town feel where kids could go out till sunset and come back home for dinner, which we found that in Forsyth County. We were in a small neighborhood of nine homes back then, and so we really were a close-knit neighborhood. Um, 
And then, of course, in terms of giving back to the community because I developed roots here professionally and otherwise. And so when I got to a point where I feel professionally uh, and personally I can give more and instead of you know sitting on the sidelines, pay it forward, uh, that's what I chose to do. So that's why I'm here to give back in the most uh, professional way and, and personal way I know how to give back, which is um, uh, apply for the judgeship position. Through service, absolutely. And that's something that um, both of you gentlemen have in common is a passion for service. Byron, I'd like to ask you the same question. What is your motivation to run for the U.S. Congress seat? So I think I can help. You know, like boil it down really to, to that. I think I can help. You know, like we talk some about the the military background and, and some of the things I've done in that role. It's not just, you know, I was in the military, which I think is a noble thing uh, in itself. And I'm proud to have served in that capacity. But the actual job, the intelligence world, border security, uh, understanding America's place in the world, understanding the threats that we face, because I spent my career assessing them, mm-hmm. I, I think that's valuable. I think that's going to be valuable in policymaking. You know, uh, the, the years I spent in the investment banking world on that macroeconomic side of the economy, understanding the regulatory environment, understanding the Fed, understanding that part of the world where billions and trillions of dollars move around. And then the other side of the economy, that main street mom and pop battle of COVID economy that we've all fought for the last couple of years. I'm really, really close to that too, you know? And so I think from a policymaking perspective, there's the sort of a confluence of education and, and real world lived experience. Cause I also have degrees in policymaking and in economics and finance so I, you know, I think that I can just really be valuable. Republicans are in all likelihood, apart from some sort of pretty outstanding follow through between now and November, probably going to take Congress, probably going to take the Senate, which means we're not going to be in the opposition party anymore. We're going to have to make policy. We're going to have to govern, you know, and so we're going to need folks in the seat who know how to do those things, who understand those issues. And I think I can help. I'm curious um, because I know that there's a correlation between both entities that you're running for. I know that they're on two totally different levels, but they do kind of feed into each other. Rupal, the impact that you're going to be making on a local um, judicial level will absolutely have or set the stage for an impact that Byron will be making on a congressional level. Talk about how the two of you, um, should you win your, your seats, would possibly work together in order to reach a common goal, if at all, because I apologize for my naivety about the connection between your worlds. No, excellent. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, it kind of goes back to Civics 101, right, uh, the, the branches of our government. And for me, um, there is some correlation and, and areas where there's uh, ability to work together in, in that sense is – uh, legislatures like Byron would enact smart rules and regulations and laws uh, that allow the uh, judiciary branch, which uh, I would be part of at that point, to sort of enforce those laws. Um, and that brings up sort of a great point in terms of philosophy. Um, I am a firm believer in the separation of powers. I believe the legislature should legislate. And so if there is a uh, local issue that can be relieved through a federal uh, statute or some regulation, um, they should certainly look at that and how that translates. While my court would never have federal court jurisdiction because it's all local law, there could always be some sort of a spillover into local legislation or a local piece that could come out of that discussion that would be something that's worth enforcing in the state court level. Um, A good example I'll give you, though it's not directly federal, um, I have uh, done civil cases. I had a client who uh, lost his 21-year-old son. Uh, in a, a drunk driver who was illegal in our country, uh, driving late at night in Savannah and didn't see my client's son who was changing a, a flat tire on the side of the road and killed him instantly, uh, 60 miles an hour. And the funny thing was that the prosecution down in Savannah, Chatham County, the maximum prison back at the time was 14 years for killing somebody with DUI. And he was clearly over the legal limit in terms of the alcohol content in his blood. And for me, as a lawyer trying to find relief for my clients, I couldn't understand on the civil side, you know, the guy had no insurance, illegal, all these things, and you're trying to find uh, relief for your client. But on the criminal side and just justice, all you could tell him was, well, 14 years and he'll be free. And 
a murder will get you, you know, certain circumstances can get you life beyond uh, parole or, or at least a lengthier sentence. And for killing somebody in a car with the DUI alcohol content was only 14 years back then. And that's, that's smart legislation uh, partnership where if the legislation see that and see the sort of the skew results, that could result into maybe better laws on something like that. On a federal level, what's important is the Department of uh, Homeland Security or the immigration arm could deport him at any given time once he's in the prison system and throw him back in Mexico. Well, guess what, guys? He came illegally under some assumed name. And so coming when you, right back. he's coming right back. And when you take him out of the prison system, he didn't even do 14 years. He literally got out because the federal legislation allows the Department of Homeland Security to snap him up for the right reasons. I get it. But he needed to do his time, in my opinion. So there are some opportunities for correlation where you could get some rules in place to say maybe the Department of Homeland Security doesn't pull them before they finish serving the sentence, but right maybe at the end of their sentence or something so they do their time. Because this young man would go back to Mexico under a false name, will come right back in whenever he so chooses, and he'll be a free man without having any penalty to society or paying his dues to society. So I do think there's some correlations there. Same to you, Byron. Yeah, that's real. First of all, I just am so happy to meet a candidate for judge who doesn't think that judges should legislate from the bench because that's a really popular position right now. Right. Uh, And so, so, huzzah. Uh, But beyond that, you know, it it, our our worlds would would rarely, if ever, intersect. Uh, But the the process of having, I'm going to say, smart people, ethical people, moral people. people who are invested in their communities and doing the job for the right reasons in various positions all over the government, up and down, local, state, federal, everything, elected positions, appointed positions, all the stuff. We're just better when those people are involved. You know, when those people are involved in the process, we get stronger, we get better. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how I see it. Like we may never, we, there may never be a tangible example of when we touched the same thing, you know, and that's okay. Uh, because frankly, because federal and state stuff is supposed to be separate. Right. And so, uh, so, but, but just knowing that we would both be in the seat for all the right reasons, doing the right things, we'd be better for it. George would be better for it. Absolutely. Could say better myself, sir. Steve. We always do something fun on our radio show, but before we get to that, uh, we'll give uh, both of y'all an opportunity to speak in this issue. I've read both of your bios and volunteer community is a big part of what y'all do. Talk about that for a little bit, and then talk about specifically why should people vote for you? Google, I'll, go first. Okay, thank you. Um, servant leader is how I like to explain my character. Um, I have been giving uh, in some capacity wherever I've been since uh, college days. Uh, I was active in the college youth days uh, in the student government. Uh, I was uh, on the uh, in law school. I was my student um, – we call them SBA, Student Bar Association. Uh, I was a senator first year and second year, and I was the SBA president my third year uh, for Georgia State College of Law. So giving back and being a servant leader is, is sort of been central tenement to my uh, philosophy of how you should give back because you've been blessed, uh, and we've been blessed um, as a family. Um, and so when I moved to Forsyth County, I continued that servant leader mindset mental approach, I should say, uh, to give back uh, by being a volunteer in my kids' school, uh, being a volunteer in um, food kitchens. I've also been a volunteer with the Bar Association. Uh, Wherever time allowed, I certainly want to give back. And more recently, I'm giving back by being involved in a couple of organizations here in the county that are more uh, based on nonprofit philosophy and giving back again to the community. Uh, We're sort of passionate about uh, child well-being index or, you know, healthy kids uh, in the sense that even though we're, we've been a blessed county, we're probably one of the richer counties now in the state of Georgia, and we've got this transformation from being one of the poorer counties to one of the richer counties, we still have kids who are feeling a lot of pressure for one reason or the other. Uh, recently, I was in a meeting where um, we were looking at uh, the child well-being index, which is an index to see how kids are performing and what are the issues. And we're having issues from the north side where kids are just not performing necessarily for a host of reasons to on the south side where kids are performing, 
but they're feeling the pressure of constantly being under pressure to perform, which is also causing mental health issues. So giving back, trying to give back in that sense, whether I'm elected or not, is something I'll continue to keep doing because I feel passionate about. Um, you asked why they should elect me. Uh, I think there's sort of very three simple reasons. One, as I've already alluded to, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe in enforcing a law and not legislating from the bench, number one, and that's important to me. Um, number two, I believe in experience matters. Uh, experience is having done prosecution, having done criminal defense, having upheld the Constitution for the government, upheld the Constitution for individual rights, and represented businesses and individuals in civil lawsuits uh, and certified mediator. I've seen the gamut of things that I think a judge would see. And that's important because those experiences bring the person to making judgment calls that should be sound and reasonable. You've got to be patient. You've got to be calm and give people their day in court and be fair, neutral, and impartial. And I would deliver on all those things because I've got a well-rounded experience to do that. And lastly, look, I moved here because of schools and safety. I believe in keeping our community safe. I believe that we have to allow our kids to thrive, but they can't do it if they're not safe, if our families aren't safe. That's what I love about Forsyth County. It's, it's, it's essentially like a small community with the metro vibe to some degree uh, from the standpoint of we've got the, the best restaurants, we've got the best resources, we've got the best tools, and we've got this small town feel that I want to keep uh, where we can keep ourselves and our community safe for each other, for my family and yours. And so I've got a simple message, and if people will give me a shot, I think I will do a great job. Really quickly before we um, parlay that to uh, my dear friend Byron, where can people learn more about your campaign? Uh, Rupalforjudge.com. That's www.rupal4forjudge.com. Not RuPaul, but Rupal. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right? When I first met you, that's what I said. <laughs> so but you said I wasn't the first one. So Right. So RuPaul is R-U-P-A-U-L, and but I had my name first. So it's R-U-P-A-L, so Rupalforjudge.com. Perfect. So. Byron, I want to give you the opportunity to answer the same question about why people should um, select you as their candidate. But I would also like to go ahead and put a picture. I want to circle back around to the importance of education once you're um, finished with your piece. Please go ahead. So it was a two-part question, and I want to make sure I answer both parts. And the second part was why should people vote for me? What was the first part of that question? Just talk about your community service. You, you shared a story with me before we went yeah. online uh, involved with your different services and, and what you do. Right, right. So so service or volunteerism or, or, or you know, whatever we call it for my part. Uh, servant leadership. Servant leadership, indeed. So the, the opportunities for where I have sought those, those uh, those roles have been places where I've been passionate. You know, the first one really we talked about earlier was after 9-11. I said, I have to do something. I have to do something. And, and that led to, you know, a whole career. Uh, I, you know, I'm active in my church because, again, that's a calling. You know, that's a thing where I have to do that. You know, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm commanded to do that, actually. Literally. <laughs> Literally. It's in, they wrote it down. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, and then um, I spent the last couple of years after I left banking, uh, my day, we talked about the businesses I own. Uh, I spent the last couple of years having a day job as well. Uh, helping run a nonprofit that creates jobs for adults in the autism spectrum. And, uh, and that's a thing that I'm passionate about. You know, that's a place where I could help. I have a son. One of my children is, is delayed and, and has some learning disabilities and among them autism. And so that was a place where I could help and I could be of some value. And then, uh, you know, running for office, you know, there, there are these times where you feel equipped, you've given, you've been given the tools, you have a passion for it and you step in, you know, to that, to that given foxhole, to 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 take and return fire. Yeah. Uh, to use a military reference. Um, I get that one too from and, all the movies. <laughs> and then also, I guess, just to boldly ask, why are you the candidate for uh, the position? Yeah. So I, it's a, it's kind of the unique blend of of expertise and experience we talked about before. I think that some of the some of the the boxes that I check are pretty rare in D.C. and, and rare in general. But it's even more rare to check those boxes and not have the additional, I will, I will say, baggage of being a, a political figure. You know, the last time I asked anybody to vote for me was like student body president in high school. You know, and so I, I haven't done politics. I haven't been in politics. Uh, and yet I've, I've managed to accumulate the, the resume of, 
a somewhat seasoned politician. I know some things. I've done some things. I've been close to decisions. I've, I've, I've operated at the strategic level of our government. And so, I, again, I think I can help. You know, I, I really think I can provide value in policymaking and insight into the threats we face, how uh, the systems of our government work, and, and so on and so forth. Just like RuPaul said, experience matters. It's, it does. Steve, did you have anything to add before we touched on education? I always have the fun part of the program. Go ahead, lighten it up for us. Lighten it up, and then I'll bring it back around. Rupal, you have a lot of passions. And for those who don't know, both me and Rupal serve on the Forsyth Chamber Board. Rupal's also on the United Way Board. He has a lot of uh, titles here in Forsyth County. But one thing we share is our love for AT4 vehicles. Yes. Rupal, tell us a little bit about how you love those vehicles. No, I love it. Uh, so growing up, I've always... Uh, been an outdoors guy. Uh, Steven actually connected on, I think it was something I was watching on YouTube about um, over over landing, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. That's correct. Right. So my passion is to camp, to be outdoors. Um, I enjoy just being out there. Um, and obviously done primitive camping and everything else with family. Uh, recently hiked the Zion National Park's Angel Landing uh, Trail. Um, so really enjoy. But what attracted me to AT4 is just that passion to keep going out there and having a vehicle that can serve uh, my desire to explore. Um, and with overlanding, eventually I want to get into that. So that was sort of the start of finding a vehicle, the AT4, that line that I just love because I think it can dish it out. It's my first uh, full-size SUV. And I'm telling you, I love it. Uh, I love that car. Are you still loving it with gas prices at four twenty nine? I love it. <laughs> I love it until they take that away from me. I'm I, look. I'm all about environment and everything, but I just love being behind that wheel of that big old AT four Yukon, and um, it, it just it makes just you feel good. makes me feel good. And uh, I'm I'm glad we're in a country where I can drive a big AT four, sir. So I love it. Uh, while we're on the lighter side, Byron, tell us an interesting fact or something funny about yourself. And oh, my goodness. That's a lot of if, pressure. Uh, well, then I'll just go ahead and ask you, what is your favorite dipping sauce at Chick-fil-A? All right. Well, that's buffalo. That's easy. Yes. Uh, How do you so, feel about the Polynesian? I don't I, I don't love it. The the sriracha one, though, which is a word yeah. I can't say. So sriracha. I, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Um, so... I'm going to bring up one more thing, and this is not a funny thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's just a it's a weird thing. Um, we like but it weird. goes back to sort of the just we're getting to know each other, right? Mm-hmm. It's a fun it's a it's a fun show. Us and the other thousand, yeah, yeah, yes, all of our best friends behind those red letters that say on air, <laughs> right? Cool. So uh, so again, I, I feel called to do the things that I do. I feel purpose behind it. Nothing in my life is random which annoys my kids because nothing's ever spontaneous. Like it's, everything's regimented, but, uh, but I bought a gym, you know, I own a gym. We've talked about, you know, our, our passion behind physical fitness and the, the army maybe instilled that in me, but I was an athlete in high school. So maybe not, you know, it, I think it maybe just beat it into me, but, uh, but, but having an outlet, you know, because people are asking me on the campaign trail with four kids and a new baby and two businesses and yada, 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 like how I'm doing this. Well, the answer is pull-ups, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's getting up in the morning and going and like getting this out. Yep. You know, there's so much stress. There's so much going on. It's a radio show and then it's doing doors and it's on the phones in the basement. And so having that outlet to keep myself centered and grounded and insane, mm-hmm. you know, where I can just put in the headphones put on, you know, the soundtrack to that workout and, and blast it out. Yeah. That is the kind of a key to my life right now. Sometimes I like to work out until muscle failure because I feel like I don't get that uh, out of me until my body and my muscles are physically at, at their point of exhaustion. And that kind of, I'm going to deviate, Steve, unless you have something to add to that. Go ahead, Ms. Okay. Amanda. <laughs> uh, we were talking about fortitude, and I want to talk about the connection, because obviously in the leadership roles that you guys, not only as heads of your household, but as pillars within the community and servant leaders, as we mentioned, mental fortitude is very important. And Byron and I shared that we have a love for physical fitness and how that discipline and how that physical fortitude translates mentally. I'd like to ask you, Rupal, what you do in order to stay sharp for your family, for uh, your community, and for um, the role that you serve within the community. Yeah, uh, it goes back to being outdoors again. For me, it's taking a walk. Um, I don't run anymore with some uh, physical limitations that you get as you get older. 
And so I used to uh, do uh, running and doing races and whatnot, but I do bicycling. And so for me, it's mountain biking. It's being outdoors, taking a walk. Uh, we're fortunate to have so many trails around here. Uh, being in North Georgia, we have access to mountains. We have access to the greenways and whatnot. So for me, it's, it's, it's just getting on that bike and getting out there to keep uh, healthy, keep, uh, keep in shape. And just that fresh air, man, you just find it that you can disconnect. Like you were talking about the stress, right? I mean, being a lawyer, uh, you sometimes analyze a lot of the problems that your clients are feeling. And it's just human nature because you're so connected with your clients because you want to help them. And you've got to find that relief valve. And for me, it's getting out, disconnected, uh, camping where I can, you know, turn off that phone for a while uh, and just disconnect, kind of breathe, kind of get that fresh air and just decompress, come back, recalibrate and come back energized. And I love it. You know, you said something funny and I want to, you'll laugh at this, Byron, but you called it primitive camping. And in Byron's world, that's called an FTX. That is. (laughs) Or recon. Okay. Okay. So are you familiar with what FTX stands for? I'm not. Field training training exercise. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And and when my kids ask to go camping, I'm just like, no. Yeah. I have no good camping experiences. for so long. So I'll tell you a funny story. When I was an early prosecutor, baby prosecutor, we had an investigator who had done the Marines and he would always bring water, but it would be ice water. And, you know, I was like, dude, do you never drink, like, just regular tap water or whatever? He goes, no. After the Marines and all the stuff he had to go through and the water was always so warm in the canteen, he never, ever again would deviate from ice water. So I can relate to that. I, ice you know, cold goodness. Ice cold goodness. Amanda, we dude. heard a lot about camping and outdoors. I was going to say, on. tell ask, them what you like to do. What do you like to do on that hobby farm of yours right here in Sawney Mountain? Tell our listeners, Steve. Well, we're going to ask the Bigfoot question. Well, we're, you tell them first what you like to do. We're getting to know each other. Tell them about how you like to ride around on your tractor. Kubota orange. That's what I bleed. Kubota nice. orange. I always say Kubota, but it's wrong. Kubota. And then also, he's got the Polaris. That's the southern in him. Yeah, the yes. Polaris. Polaris. Four-seater. Two three I think it's a three-seater, yeah. but okay. it fits me because I'm a two-seater type of guy. <laughs> So you guys, we all have something in common, enjoying yes. being outdoors to clear to clear our mind. What were you going to ask? Steve, you have on your Bigfoot socks. Oh, so, so you came Bigfoot. in ready to put your Bigfoot So we were talking Bigfoot about Bigfoot. Forward. Raise your hand if you believe in Bigfoot or say I. No eyes except for me. Okay, on to the next question. On to the next question. <laughs> Sorry, man. Couldn't go there. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. I want to touch on education really quickly. I'm having so much fun with you guys. The time passes by so quickly, and, and being conscious of your schedules, we'll just chat for another 10 minutes or so, or forever long you guys want. But you guys are both family men, and something that drew me to you, Byron, is uh, we are of the same era. I will say, and you have young children. Rupal, you also have children. I'd like for you to share a little bit about, and you touched on like uh, school systems here in Forsyth, et cetera, about what some initiatives you guys plan on um, pursuing in order to kind of set the next generations, and I don't mean me and you, Byron, but your children's, those generations up for success and to keep the world kind of, um, you know, in, in a, a solid pattern in order to help them succeed. Uh, I go first. Uh, so for me, I think it's all about responsibility. Um, I've instilled that in my kids. Hopefully they'll uh, take that lesson and, and reap the benefits. Um, one of the biggest things, I think, as a, uh, a judge or a lawyer or anybody of responsibility you can do is when you get a chance to influence your clients. And I used to always have this conversation with my clients where I said it's, it's about the priority pyramid. And your pyramid changes and your priorities change depending on where you're in life. Sometimes it's your job, sometimes it's your family, school, whatever it is. But when I have that opportunity because they're in court and I had the chance to influence their behavior and talk to them, not talk down to them, but talk to them, it was always important, especially the young offenders, was you've got to be responsible for your actions. I want you to own what you do because that's absolutely important, not only as a in education, but also as just a person of uh, individual who has merit, right? You've got to own up to your mistakes. You've got to own up to your career path, own up to your goals. So I want to educate leadership in that context. I think we've gotten away from uh, some of it where we expect others to either take the blame or do things, and it's about stepping up and owning up to your conduct, number one. Uh, Number two, uh, continue to keep finding, uh, as a local uh, citizen, keep finding good leadership who are setting uh, educational rules or regulations that make sense. We want to give people options that they can 
uh, gravitate towards. It's not always college. I think tech schools are absolutely, uh, absolutely very vital. We've gotten away from that, and you can't find good help because people don't want to get into it. And I've seen folks go to college, especially for those for-profit colleges, spend a lot of money and come back with debt saddled to get jobs that aren't going to let them out of that financial nightmare. And so getting back to the grassroots, getting back to what made us uh, the best place on the planet is what we've got to get our alignment back in and, and make, whether as a judge, whether as an individual, whatever, find those things and, and passionately pursue those things. Absolutely. Thank you, Ripple. Absolutely. And same question to you, Byron. Yeah, so I've got four kids, you know, and uh, 13, 10, 5, 2. And so my 13-year-old's brilliant. Uh, Aubrey is special. She's really, really great. She's really smart. She's really talented. And, and I've been really active in her education. You know, I, I challenge her. I'm, I'm a quant by, by nature. And so I push on her with numbers and I, I teach her different ways to do math because they're often, there's often more than one way to skin a cat on that stuff. You're an engineer. Yeah. I was a physics major in undergrad. Right? So Six yeah, calculus. I love math. That's right. Uh, and so, uh, so, so, you know, pushing on her like that. And then I have a son who's got some more limitations, you know, and so I learned how to adjust my expectations of outcomes as a parent to what my children were capable of, you know, with Aubrey, the sky's the limit. So we're going to get there with buddy. His name's Byron also, but with buddy there, there are different, different constraints. He's going to learn different ways. So on and so forth. The younger two TBD, we don't know yet. Um, but dis, so that's kind of the personal, you know, and I've been involved. I, I ask, I've, Aubrey's rarely read a book that I haven't read, uh, partly so I can talk to her about the literature, partly so I can pick up on subtext, partly so I can help screen things out because there's stuff coming through the schools that's not positive. Uh, and, and deciding to run for office in a lot of ways is when you get sick of saying, well, somebody ought to, you know, like you say somebody ought to do this or somebody ought to change that or whatever. And so deciding to run for office is like the culmination of the sum of saying that a lot. And so you know, the political side of education is, is, is about parental control, you know, especially going to, for a federal office, parental control, you know, getting what we saw in Virginia that, that really flipped Virginia from blue and blue, getting bluer to a a red state again was about, you know, school choice, the stuff permeating the schools, the, the ideology and the indoctrination stuff, all of that coming through in such a big way getting control back in the hands of localities and parents is a big deal for me uh, going into federal office. So, so as a, as a active parent, as an engaged parent and as a concerned parent slash political candidate, uh, education certainly front of mind for me. You know, I, I intend fully to go battle with the department of education in Washington, DC, which I don't think should exist. And I'm going to tell them so. Thank you for sharing that perspective, Byron. I apologize before I gave Rupal an opportunity to share where our listeners can learn more about his campaign efforts. Please do the same for yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website is gatewoodforgeorgia.com, all spelled out. Uh, and Gatewood is just like it sounds, G-A-T-E-W-O-O-D. I almost brined myself there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so that's uh, that's where you can you know learn more about me, see pictures of my beautiful children and wife, who's, uh-huh. who's lovely, um, you know, volunteer, contribute, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what that's what campaigns run on, right? Absolutely. Oh yes, sir. It's a oh necessary. It is. Uh, we were talking about that before. But anyway, yeah, so gatewoodforgeorgia.com. Thanks for the tee up. Of course. And I have a really weird question, because why not? So in your efforts, both of you, to drum up um, a buzz for your, your campaign, et cetera, I know, Byron, you've been doing a lot of knocking. Rupal, do you do knocking for your your um your seat? Yes, we do. do. Okay. Uh, knocking's allowed. What we're not allowed to do is endorse anyone uh, or pay any political parties for obvious reasons. Uh, we want to revere the third branch of that government as a fair, neutral place where you come to solve your conflicts. But knocking, going to political events, those are things that we're allowed to do. Uh, I've hosted a couple of meet and greets. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple more events that uh, are coming uh, down the pipeline. And I um, see you at chamber events all the time. Yes, chamber events, uh, yeah. networking events, um, just trying to get the word out, uh, let people know I'm there. They see the funny signs, and they're trying to figure out, who is this RuPaul guy? <laughs> and I tell them, it's RuPaul, and here he is. And there's one right out front, <laughs> right, right here right. on Triple right. <laughs> All bald-headed and everything, no <laughs> wigs or anything. So, um, Byron, tell us a little bit about something creative you've been doing to kind of drum up um, some attention. I know that you have been invited into people's homes where yeah. they've had large groups and yeah. you've been able to speak to a captive audience. So share some of the interesting yeah. things you've been doing. Which is really a great thing to do. Like it's a, it's a really great way to meet folks. You know, I, 
somebody I know in a neighborhood or, or whatever will kind of give me permission to, to host something at their home and, and, you know, you get the word out through the neighborhood and, and you kind of have somebody vouching for you. That's, that's, you know, a, a couple of blocks over or whatever. And that helps draw people in. And then, you know, it's stump speech, meet and greet. He's a real person. You know, it's, it's, they're really productive events. And, and so, and I've actually got a couple scheduled for this weekend, which will be great. But, but yeah, so, so it's, it's a cool thing to do. It's really grassrootsy and, and very personal. The groups are big enough to where I, they're productive. I'm getting the word out, you know, I'm, I'm producing votes and, and hopefully some folks who leave there talking about me, but they're small enough to where people are comfortable with Q and a, cause if you're it's in a big intimate, enough room, yeah. yeah. If you're in a big enough room and you open up Q and a, people don't want to talk cause then they're, they have stage fright from the audience. Right. But in a, you know, in a group of you know 15 to 40 people or something like that, Folks will typically ask their question, which is, which is a lot of fun and gives me, you know, more reps answering tough questions because debates are coming up, yep. which is pretty great. And, uh, and so, yeah, so the door, knock, door knocking is I, such a cool thing because then you're meeting people right where they are and they don't have to hold back at all. You know, they're like, they're really comfortable. You're on their, their turf. front doorstep. And, and exactly. And so when you get in front of them that way, they really don't have a problem testing you out. And, uh, and, and I, I think I hold up to scrutiny pretty well. You know, I have some good answers to some tough questions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's been a really productive thing. Uh, otherwise I'm calling lots of folks, you know, I've got lists of veterans or lists of donors or whatever it is. You're asking for votes and money all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And, and, and I would add for, for, for the judge race, people are a little bit unclear. What can judges say and do and whatnot? Obviously we can't endorse on policy decisions, but we can talk about our experience. We can talk about our sort of general philosophy and sense of who we are or whatnot. Uh, on our website, we have a place where you can sign up for volunteers. You can also ask for uh, hosting a meet and greet, or if you know of uh, wanting to have me come out and meet your neighborhood, like Byron was saying, I'm certainly able to do that and meet folks on that intimate setting, and, and they can ask questions. Very cool. I can't answer legal advice, but I can answer general questions. For those joining us live, it is the 23rd, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, the primaries are tomorrow. Or is it? No, no. What, it's not, is it May? May 24th. 24th. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I knew it started with May May 24th. It's close, Amanda. I'll edit him. that out. Okay. Ooh. Hey, so I'm sweating there a little for bit. Those of you, for those of you just joining, we are speaking today with our guests, uh, Byron Gatewood for U.S. Congress, and also Rupal. I'm going to say it. You just wait. Vashinif. Yes, ma'am. Woohoo for state court judge. And um, Steve, do you have anything to add as our show is kind of coming to an end here? Sure. Just a couple of things. One, I was feeling kind of down last week and one of my friends, Leslie Page with Sweet Bell Treats, brought me some cookies, the best cookies ever. You can find them at sweet, B-E-L-L-E, treats at gmail.com. That's and her email address or that's her website? Well, that's her email address. They're good cookies, trust me. I think her and my wife are trying to see how much weight I can gain. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a little <laughs> upset because you didn't bring me any of those cookies. That's exactly right. Oh. And last, gentlemen, thank you. I don't think I've heard uh, any better uh, information for more experienced, intelligent, and leaders in our community than both of y'all today. We really appreciate y'all coming out and talking. Tell Absolutely, yeah. Myself. Thank you for, for giving um, us your time and for sharing your uh, position with all of our listeners. I will give you one more final opportunity to share a closing parting thought or some words of wisdom, and then I'm going to pay homage to some of our partners. And we'll start with you, Rupal. Okay. Well, our election's May 24th. It's a nonpartisan election for judges. I'd love to get your vote. Uh, go to my website, uh, look up rupalforjudge.com, and you can see pictures of my beautiful family as well. Uh, I'll say, you know, not a politician, a lawyer primary, but you learn a lot and you learn that it, this, this whole process, it's a family oriented process. And I wouldn't be able to do this without the support of my family. And so my wife, my kids are all in it. Um, they understand what I have to do because I'm not spending hours at home right now because I'm out about meeting people. I love meeting people, but give me a shot. I think you'll find that I've got the qualifications and the experience that will usher for sight into the new future where we're doing it smart, we're doing it right, and we're doing it with the proper credentials in place. So thank you. I like that. Good word, um, Usher. Thank you. And for yourself, Byron. Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, like, once again, Amanda, Steve, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on and, you know, share my story and, and get out there a little bit. Uh, Rupal, thanks for, for being my co- My pleasure. Guest today. Yes, my yeah. pleasure. Right? Uh, 
But, uh, but yeah, again, it's, you know, Gatewood for Georgia, go to my website, go to all the websites. This is a crowded Republican primary. There are nine candidates running in this race. One of us is going to represent the sixth district of Georgia in the U S Congress. That's a big deal, you know, and, and every election cycle is important and every election cycle is the most important one. And I don't know how true that is from cycle to cycle, but it is important. This is our seat. And so vote smart, you know, uh, pay attention May 24th is the election. That's the election where people are going to vote on the Senate, the governor, all of these things. Um, and, and frankly, the U.S. House and, and judge races are, are not the first thing on people's minds, but they're as important as everything else. So, yeah, visit, visit all the websites, learn all you can, and just vote smart. I like that you said that because um, I think my dad always used to tell me, inform yourself first. If you're uninformed, then don't vote. There's nothing worse than an uninformed voter. Just baiting on, just voting on popularity. Absolutely. Um, so thank you guys both for that. I do want to just uh, say thank you to our printing partners at Brandywine Printing. They help make all of our studio uh, dreams come to life. And you can find them on the internet at brandywineprinting.com. And then also we're seated here at this beautiful boardroom table that we got from Office Creations. You can visit them at officecreations.net to learn more about their design and furniture abilities. Um, for my co-host Steve and for our Wonderful guests, Byron and Rupal. I'd like to say thank you for joining us on Forsyth Business Radio. You guys can find our shows 24-7 online by visiting ForsythBusinessRadioX.com or you can find us on your favorite podcasting application. I listen on iTunes. Steve, where do you listen? Wherever Amanda tells me to. He listens on Spotify. He has an Android. Where do you guys listen to your iTunes? Where do you listen to your podcasts? The, the podcast app on my iPhone. Is yeah, that iTunes? that's me too. Okay. It, Apple comes with it preloaded. It's the purple one, guys. Yep, it's super easy. Same. And Rupal, same iPhone. thing. Yep. iPhone. Okay, so while you guys are there, go ahead and type in Forsyth Business Radio. Hit that subscribe button so you stay connected with us and you don't miss a beat. Um, again, for all of our listeners out there, we thank you for joining us. Connect with us on social media at FOCO Business Radio X. And until next time, I am your host, Amanda Pierce, and this has been Forsyth Business Radio.